Welcome to Lost in Revision. All of our content is public domain, literature, fairy tales, and folklore. Our goal is to at least break even to cover our expenses. So any support that you can offer to help us reach that goal helps keep this podcast going and you entertained. All of our music is by Nathan Hubble and is used with his permission. Thanks and enjoy the show. Chapter 8. The Red River Camp. Part 3. At first, all hands were called to meals by a huge dinner horn, which Paul had Ollie make for him. It was so big, though, that the first time Paul blew it, a whole section of timber fell down. Bunk houses were flattened, and many of the men were stunned for a week. So Paul didn't use it very much after that but sounded the call by blowing into a woodpecker's hole in a hollow tree. It is said that he finally sold the big dinner horn to a railroad, which used it in making the roof of a roundhouse. It was in the Red River camp that one of Paul's men induced the chief cook to prepare for him a bildad, which he had killed. Now, the bildad was another one of those strange animals that used to be found in the woods, and there were a number of them in the Dakotas when Paul first went there. The Bildad was not very large, being not much bigger than a beaver, and it was perfectly harmless. It had long, kangaroo-like hind legs, very short front ones, webbed feet, and a heavy club-like flat tail, which, with its sharp hawk's beak, comprised its only weapons. It lived on fish and caught its food in a very strange manner. It would sit hunkered down on the bank of a stream or lake until it saw a fish come to the surface, and then it would leap out into the water just ahead of where the ripple had shown and bring its tail with a loud thwack just as it landed. This would stun the fish, and the Bildad could easily catch it and carry it back to the bank, where it ate it. The hind legs of the Bildad were tremendously strong, an adult male having been able to leap 60 yards on an average jump. Needless to say, no lumberjack of today will so much as touch one of these animals, even with a pike pole. As explained before, one of these queer creatures was killed one day by a logger in Paul's camp, and he had the idea that it would make a great delicacy for his supper that evening. So, against the advice of various of his companions, he had Hot Biscuit Slim make a savory stew of it. The poor man had no more than swallowed the first mouthful of it, however, when he let out a strange and fearful cry. His eyes glazed with pain, and he rushed madly from the cook shanty towards the river. When he reached the bank, he gave another strange cry and leaped fifty yards out into the water, hitting the surface in a sitting position much like the Bildad did when stunning a fish. Before he could be rescued, he had drowned. And since that time, no one has ever tried eating one of these animals. After this sad occurrence, Paul Bunyan gave strict orders that none of the cooks was to ever prepare special dishes for any of the hands. 
but that everyone would have to be content with the food that was served to all alike. One may think, from the care which Paul took to see that his men were comfortable and well-fed, that eating was the main occupation for his Red River camp. Nothing could be farther from the truth. His camp was no logger's dream of paradise, nor was there ever any loafing or luxury in it. Paul worked his men twelve hours a day, and they would have been surprised and ashamed to have put in any less time. Nature had given them great sturdy bodies and hearts that were full of daring, and they loved the tremendous exertions of their tasks and the dangers of their hazardous work, so that they would have been bored with an easier life. Each one took great pride in doing his share toward Paul's accomplishments, and to say that they fully merited the high wages paid them and the food and lodging supplied to them is stating no more than the exact truth. The mere fact that Paul Bunyan and his men cleared off all the trees from two big states, delivered the logs to the mills, and even got rid of the stumps that were left doing all this mighty task in just one winter is ample proof of how hard everyone labored. Being hearty workers made them hearty eaters, and all the trouble Paul took in seeing that they were satisfied was no more than they deserved and was clearly his plain duty. There were no useless frills about any of his camps, that is certain, and from the tremendous work that was done in the Dakotas, it can be seen that everything in the Red River camp was carefully planned with an accurate eye toward achieving the greatest efficiency. Thanks for joining us today. Check us out on Patreon. You can help us meet our small goal of breaking even and covering our expenses. Your support helps pay for all of the things that podcasting requires and helps keep this show alive and growing. If you can't afford to support us financially, go give us a good review, subscribe or follow, and share with your friends and family. Feel free to fact check us and offer suggestions to make our show better for you. You can also send us an email at lostinrevisionpodcast at gmail.com. There's a lot more waiting for us all at the end of the road.